0: Good morning, good afternoon wherever you are and thank you for joining this Water Technology Markets 2020 session with Bluetech Research. Quite often what we do at Bluetech is to look through the past 12 months and reflect on how far we've come and what we've achieved. And it turns out we've been doing this for some time, nearly a decade. The landscape of water technologies is evolving and so is our understanding of water innovation. Now Bluetech's been on a journey to understand what it takes to succeed in the water sector and today we will share some highlights of Some of the conclusions that we've arrived at so far and some insights into what we think might happen in coming years. So I invite Blue Tech Research CEO Paula Callaghan to guide us through this water technology market 2020 preview. Good morning, welcome Paul.
1: Thank you very much, good to see you Divya.
0: Good to see you. Let's move to slide number one. Um, Paul tell us a little bit about what you did back in 2010 because I think that's when all of this began.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in 2010, I spent nine months of my life, it was actually late 2009, buried away researching every aspect of the water technology market, looking at the key drivers, the emerging trends. And the title of the report at the time, I was a lead author on it, we co-published it, was Water Technology Market Opportunities, Key Opportunities and Emerging Trends. And it really was the genesis of everything we're doing. We continue to monitor, track those markets over time. And now we're in the process of synthesizing all of this into a report which will be published and shared later this year and this is more of a kind of a a sneak preview into where we are at the moment.
0: Fantastic no can't wait to have this discussion let's move on to the next slide we when we look at evolution of innovation things have to start somewhere and there's usually a trigger that kicks things off now the notion is that in the world of technology people get tend to get overexcited about new things which leads to hype in other words, the peak of inflated expectations. And this is also true for water technologies. So what we're seeing in this chart is that back in 2010, there were a number of technologies sitting at the peak of inflated expectations. There were, you know, hypothetical, and there was excitement about hypothetical applications of technologies like ceramic membranes, forward osmosis, biochemical systems, and I guess to some degree, optimism outpaced reality as well. Um, Some of the technologies were on their way up to that peak, artificial intelligence, deep CRO, let's run the animation because as the years went by, that bubble burst for a lot of them, and technology started to roll down the peak, the interest in some of them started to wane, you know, and people get disappointed, I guess, when new things don't change the world, so we enter a trough of disillusionment. Um, Don't worry if you missed that animation. If we move to the next slide, you'll see both pictures, the the then and the now together. Um, I guess, Paul, you know, if we stand back and look at how far we've come, the picture looks quite different today. Um, Things are certainly further along on the right-hand side of the chart now in 2020.
1: Yeah, it's the classic pattern. Something's discovered, announcements are made, there's a lot of optimism associated with that, and then it takes a while for this to bed out and, and to find its, um, its niche. So it's, there's a shakeout and that's the classical definition of going down to that trough of disillusionment where some companies fall by the wayside or they pivot or they reinvent themselves and find out, okay, this is a cool technology, but where does it actually make commercial sense? And that's what we're seeing happening and in bioelectrochemical, people who look back 10 years ago will remember that that was height, as was ceramic membranes and forward osmosis. And bioelectric chemical has become an augmented anaerobic, if you look at what is doing, it's been used in sensors. So it's quite different to the vision to generate electricity from wastewater that was originally there at the time. The same is true of forward osmosis. And, and some of these technologies still have yet to figure out where their commercial niche is.
0: I mean, thermal hydrolysis as well is a real success story because If you look at 2010, we call it sludge pretreatment because there were a number of sludge pretreatment options back then. And 10 years on, thermal hydrolysis really is the winning technology and that that stayed on. And I guess as long as we have anaerobic digestion and a driver in terms of ever-increasing stringent legislation, there will be significant growth potential for this technology.
1: It's a great example. What's fascinating, as you said, is it was pre-treatment to begin with, that there were a number of different things were competing here. There was ultrasonic treatment, high-pressure homogenization, electroporation, chemical treatment. It's a bit like the old VHS versus Betamax video format wars that people often talk about, or indeed the current wars between Edison and Tesla, AC versus DC. Well, there were many competing technologies back then. Really the Alternating current in the analogy is is thermal hydrolysis. It's it's been the clear winner that's pulled away from the pack
0: for sure And you know, I want to talk about our friends on, on, on the far left there: atmospheric water capture and artificial intelligence Artificial intelligence firstly, I guess the last few years have really been marked by peaks of inflated expectations Because I guess, you know, we just haven't seen the integration of AI tools into business operations just yet so Yeah, we're about to fall into the trough of disillusionment a little bit.
1: It's natural. What what was striking actually was when we look back at the original report, there was one page on water software. Like That's unthinkable today, that you could produce a report like that with a footnote on digital water. So that shows how long or how far we traveled in that decade. Certainly, there's a lot of hype and, and some of this will fall by the wayside. I do think this is here to stay. It's just a question of, it's like automobiles, you know, like a few, a few things will win out or a few approaches and and not everything will.
0: Yeah. And atmospheric water capture or air water capture, what can we say about that? I mean, there are some pain points there that are just so clear.
1: This one's surprising to me. I mean, this was like a framed circus show again, a decade ago. I've been surprised initially by how many people are really taking this seriously, but the more closely we look at it, I think it's often compared to the wrong thing. It's compared with Desalination or other forms of conventional water delivery. It's not that. It, it, it never will be the wrong thing to compare it to. But if you start to compare it to something like bottled water or, or point of use, then it has its niche in certain areas where the advantages of security of supply, uh, you are going to pay an energy penalty. But in certain instances, if you're faced and it can be produced for you know tens of cents a liter, it's it's not crazy economics. It doesn't compare to the tenth of a cent of a litre of the drinking water that we enjoy, but not everyone enjoys can have access to that. So I think it has its niche.
0: Absolutely. I mean, for osmosis there is an interesting one in that it appears that the worst time is over for it.
1: This is one that definitely had to figure out what it wanted to be when it grew up and that's evidenced I think from the next slide which shows the playing field of companies that were there, who's come in and who's left? And if we if we hit play on that, you'll see that a number of companies just disappeared. StatCraft, Modern Water, kind of pulled back and retreated. Um, a number um, moved moved forward. I would say Peripher and Aqua like I'm still standing. It reminds me of the Elton John song. After all these years, they've stayed with it and and they found their niche. And a number of new companies have come in or become more active, like Toyobo, Forward Water, Trevi. One notably, Aquafortis came in and it subsequently left rather quickly and just got rid of the membrane altogether and pivoted towards an ionic ionic liquid separation technology. So what we've seen is it's gone from thinking it wanted to be a desalination technology to it's a niche play in concentrate management in food and beverage applications, juice applications and in particular zero liquid discharge concentrate management.
0: Certainly, I mean, a lot of movement there in terms of players. I, I want to move to the next slide because I, I guess what we can say as a whole is that technologies go through different stages of maturity. And what we've done at Bluetech is to develop a set of criteria that can be used to study adoption of water technologies through the various stages of market adoption. What this chart shows is that, you know, where technologies were in the technology diffusion model in 2010, and how far along they've moved. So back then we saw a host of technologies so early, membrane error to biofilm reactors, forward osmosis, carbon nanotubes, were at their infancy at applied research stage. There are certainly, there are then there are technologies that are like capacitive deionization, granular activated sludge in the middle, and likewise the more established technologies in the far right. So if we've hit play in if we were to fast forward to today, what we see is that there are, few technologies that have left the scene, some technologies that have stalled, and others that have moved. Some moved further along than others. Paul, would, would this be, you know, would this be something that we would have expected to see?
1: What I love about that animation is when you're in the middle of this, it's like watching the grass grow. It appears like nothing's happening, but when you've Fast forward and you know, time lapse on it, you, you can see the movement. And you, you'd expect there should be movement because from our water technology diffusion model, we know it takes a certain number of years to go through pilot and devil. It takes another number of years to go through early adopter. If you're stuck longer than that, there's something wrong. So in a lot of cases, things have moved forward as you'd expect they would. Um, some are stalled, which uh, we will come to that next. And perhaps some new things would be I think a membrane-aerated biofilm reactor was something that I didn't know the term 10 years ago. I think almost everybody does now, although it's not a new technology per se. It was known about and patented and sat on the shelves of Xenon for, for many years. But it, it really has moved forward. And that's been just one example of something that's um, surprised us.
0: Yeah, no, let's pick out a couple more examples on the next slide um, and break down some of these definitions, Paul.
1: Sure. So, look to kind of categorize. Any model is a simplification of reality, but it's, it's if it's useful, it's good. So we say that a rising star is the market is adopting it faster. Sales are occurring. Companies are generating revenue. We put them into that block. the The zombies are. It's like if you were in their car, the, the, the speedometer would be reading zero. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> Um, or they're still at the same point in the chessboard that they always were. Like supercritical water oxidation is at risk of death by pilotitis. Someday it'll move, but it it seems to be still trying to get out of the starting gate a little bit. And the technology graveyard, this is an area where the mortality rate is high, the rate of attrition is high, a high percentage of the companies there fail. Not all, but a high percentage. Sludge-to-energy is a perfect example. If we look back at companies that wanted to do carbonization, tariff Paralysis to take sludge and turn it into solid fuel, for example. Almost all of them have gone, so it, it's certainly been an area that's seen attrition. They were all hoping that sludge disposal costs would rise due to decrease in land application or energy costs would, would also rise. Neither, which has really materialised, and that's certainly been evident in how that's played out.
0: Absolutely, and I mean we want to look at why some technologies have moved faster than others. And if we go to the next slide, the reasons are. You know, we've look back at their drivers and typically in the water sector, there are two types. There's crisis needs driven and there's value driven innovation. And from this table, you can see that crisis needs driven innovation takes about half the time to diffuse than value driven innovations. And that's because a crisis driven innovation typically involves disruptive innovation offered by new entrants. I mean, we're taking the average down from what, from 11 to 16, down to 6.5 years. That's just remarkable.
1: It is, Divya. And if you're a venture capital investor, you want to see things that have a timeline of that that 6.5-year mark. If you're a startup company, that's what you put into your slide deck to get investment. In reality, if you don't hit the crisis, you're much more likely to be heading towards the, the the other end of that spectrum in terms of timelines. And it's all about just understanding and being realistic about the level of risk involved, the level of patience required, and where you think you sit on that continuum, which of those you lean more towards. Okay,
0: yeah. Uh, I mean, we've mapped the different technologies um, with respect to the drivers. So if on the next slide, what we've done is look at two types of innovation. There's discontinuous and there's radical functionality. In reality, there's three types. There's sustaining innovation as well, but we'll look at these two for, for now. Discontinuous innovation is doing the same, but in a totally new way. You know, An out of water example here will be the Tesla car. It's a car, but it's powered by electricity. Then we have radical functionality, which is an innovation that allows us to do something that hasn't been done before. An example here would be the Apple iPhone, which has revolutionized really the way we use mobile phones. So if we were to put this into context for water, as we've attempted to do here, you can see that the vast majority of innovations we see fall into the value-driven discontinuous category. Then adjacent to that, Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but generally we see a smaller number fall into the radical functionality value-driven category. These are technologies that are, we call them ponies, but they're typically mid-range technologies with a total market value of about 100 million. But if you want to be hitting the $1 billion market, which is what everybody aspires to be, really where you should be situated is the bottom half of this page, because you're competing with the big boys, which means by definition, you know, you have to be radical. The technologies here are so well established and have become the norm today. Would you agree with this distinction, Paul?
1: Yeah, look, the reason we created this framework is because innovation is a very broad-brush term, and the term disruptive innovation, it's, it's overused, it's misused, it's abused to the point that it's lost its meaning. It means one thing to someone and another thing to somebody else. And if you're a water utility and you're the innovation manager, what you're saying you want is probably different than what, a venture capital investor thinks about when they use that same word or, or a, a water technology provider and just knowing and be able to classify where you sit, are you sustaining, are, are you value-driven or crisis-driven, are you market-creating or market-taking allows you to, and then you group these technologies together into groups and you see patterns for sure. And that helps us I think to understand what's realistic, what can we expect in terms of rates of adoption, when are you going to hit a level one market impact, when are you really going to hit you know a thousand reference plants be used in 25 countries or have a market that's worth you know north of 500 million
0: yeah and I mean everybody wants to make it big and we've seen examples of these let's move to the next slide and take a look at some of these big markets
1: so like water technology mark is often reported depending on the source you use as being worth 500 billion when you break it down to water technologies, the Pareto principle starts to apply where a relatively small number of individual technology niches represent a significant portion of the overall water technology market, and that's evidenced by the value of the sensors and analyzers market, reverse osmosis, uh, spiral bond elements, the UV market for disinfection of drinking water. Each of these is significant in its own right and represents a significant part of the portfolio of many of the major water technology players such as Suez, Xylem, Evoqua, DuPont, etc.
0: You're right. I mean these are anchor technologies and as you mentioned certainly dominate portfolios of some of those larger players in the industry. But you know portfolios have to be kept fresh and they have to be kept in line with times. So if we move to the next slide, let's look at the current emerging technologies and what the size of 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 I don't know what the size of their markets are.
1: So we've looked at the, the, the big blockbusters, these are the minnows. So they're, most of these are sub $100 million markets, like granular activated sludge at the moment, we estimate to be 65 to $70 million per annum. The key thing is though, when are these minnows going to reach that next level? Because what we've seen is that once you get above $100 million of a market and you're using more than 10 countries globally, you can move pretty quickly, like within six to eight years, up to the next level because you're now in the middle, the mainstream of the market. So it's important to track those guys so that you can see when's the right time to get in there into a high growth niche market that ultimately will, in time, become one of those blockbusters.
0: Now, if we were to stand back and take a guess, I guess we've looked at the past now, so this is you know looking into the future. If we were to take a stand back and guess where the water technology market landscape will be in 2030, What
1: areas would we bet on? Well, I'll caveat that with saying I'm not the type of person that goes to Vegas and bets it all in black on the roulette wheel. So take a more measured approach by looking at what's the right race to be in, in a balanced portfolio approach. It's very hard to get your horses right in the race because you're dealing with individual companies, management teams, and and other things like that. But what you can say is that there are certain segments, if you're in, you've got the potential. you know we say if you want to be big get into big things so with that in mind we've stood back and we said 10 key areas that we believe are all going to be big opportunities in the next decade and if you've got something that plays into those that's a good place to be
0: yeah let's let's look at the 10 big areas um you know that are going to make it in in 2030.
1: yeah um, if you look at things like the sanitation economy or the, san- the providing sanitation for 2.5 billion people that don't have it today it's too big an opportunity to ignore. These people are level two, level three. I think there's a massive opportunity in the emerging section of the market in that area. Some of the major drivers we saw have not gone away, like climate change. Therefore, stormwater management is going to continue to be a growth area. There's a push towards water being big infrastructure to smaller and smaller. With a continuum, there of decentralized treatments. I think the building is a sweet spot, the building envelope, but there's also going to be a trend towards point of use. Water quality monitoring, the increase in sensor activity, more awareness of what's in the water and the need to monitor and detect it, means that's a good area to be in as well. Brine concentrate management. As we close the loop on water, managing what's left over is only going to become more and more important. So it will be a growth area. Water reuse, both industrial water reuse and municipal water use, outlook for the next decade, extremely strong. So, so these are some of the areas that we would say are good places to be in whatever you're offering.
0: Yeah and I mean situate things like COVID-19 pandemics like COVID-19 would accelerate decentralized water infrastructure um certainly won't you know we won't see new things but it's going to accelerate existing trends. Um thanks very much for that that was that was a great overview Paul I think you know being able to benchmark technologies like that is very helpful and always good to revisit what we've seen in 2010 and, and see you know, what we called correctly and, and how the next 10 years will shape up. I think all of this work is work in progress and for Blue Tech clients, our work here is foundational to our research and will be reflected in the research that you're going to receive. And as mentioned at the start, you know, we're going to synthesize all our findings into a book called Water Technology Markets 2020, which will be published in October. We look forward to keeping the discussions alive and if you have any questions, please please feel free to get in touch with myself or Paul for more details. With that, we'd like to end this session. Thanks very much, Paul, for your time.